you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Do you believe in life after addiction? You better believe it. Now, the host of Life After Addiction. That's right. Welcome back. Season 2, Episode 17. We have been gone for too long, Bruce. Yes, sir. I'm glad to be back. Yeah, man. This is awesome. We took a long break, but we have launched season, the second half of Season 2. If you've heard, you probably heard Episode 16 with the executive pastor of LifePoint Church, Kyle Goen, who also has a podcast called Family Cast with Kyle and Amy Goen. What a great episode that was. Man, Bruce, today we want to talk about, we want to dive right back in. You know us, man. <laughs> the guys know, everybody knows us. We want to talk about contentment, and God's been working on your heart with it, and man, I could definitely relate. Lead us in here. What, what, what are we talking about today? Yeah, I mean, I you know, obviously what we do for a living is, as our audience knows, is we work with men in addiction and the recovery process through Christ, uh, real freedom in Christ. And I believe, and we've talked about this before, that, you know, addiction is like anything else. It's uh, idolatry, something that we choose besides God to try to satisfy our needs. Yeah, And so it doesn't matter whether our addiction is money, whether it's sex, whether it's our jobs, wh- whatever it is that we we put our treasure, right, before God. God says it's idolatry, and therefore uh, what you seek will be in vain. And and in that, what I've God's been putting in my heart lately, and how I speak to men about these things isn't just coming at them with you know condemnation, but really trying to help them understand that without Christ we will never be content. And we even in Christ and and those through salvation, you know, we we have a tendency to still seek other things that are not going to satisfy us. Yeah. And um, Jesus says, look, if you want real freedom, if you, if you want to be uh, full of joy and have peace and to be satisfied in everything, no matter what the circumstance is, and, and including bad circumstances, you know, which defames the, the whole health and wealth prosperity preaching that goes on out there because Jesus said, look, you're going to be persecuted because I was persecuted. So the, the Christian life isn't a bed of roses. It's the world doesn't change. We change in what Christ changes in us. And it has a lot to do with being content. Yeah. And these guys who come into our program, obviously they're not content. You know, they've come into rehab. They, they've acknowledged that something's not right in their life. Um, but in the process of helping them recover and seeing what Christ offers uh, and and preparing them for life after addiction— is to help them know like where their contentment, where their satisfy or the satisfaction is going to come from, while they live out the rest of their life and their salvation. And we always have to, we always have to come to the cross. We always have to come to Jesus, or we will be left with something that doesn't fill us. Doesn't it'll be lacking in something. Yeah, and one thing, I think you're about to pull up some scripture, but one thing I'll add to that, man, is what we're not saying is just mundane, you're never going to have joy, you're never going to have happiness, no matter what's going on, you just sit there with a soiled face and be content in life. No, that's not what we're saying. What we're going to be saying and what we hope you hear us saying throughout this podcast is that the ultimate joy, the ultimate happiness 
comes through Christ and not these bootleg pleasures slash lies of idolatry, of the addiction, of the job, of the money, of the women, of the cars, all of those things will keep you in a place of uncontentment because they're lies, right? Yeah. And you can never get enough of it. Yeah, discontent. Yeah. Unrest, uh, selling out, uh, settling. You know, uh, Jesus says that we prostitute ourselves Yeah. because we go for the cheaper substitute than the real thing. And this all has to do with being content. Um, I just want to read some scripture here. Uh, The first one I read is uh, Jesus uh, speaking to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, right? And here we have Jesus um, talking to a woman, which was rare, uh, alone. And she's bringing up water from the well, and he asks her to give him a drink. Uh, he goes on into this conversation, and after identifying her and her past and where she's at in life, he says to her, he says, to the well that he's standing in, or standing by, he says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. What Jesus was saying to the woman is that you've had seven uh, lovers, and and you're and you're with one now, and you're not married, and you've been seeking your whole life this idea of of being content, being satisfied in someone else. And he's telling her, "Look, you, your answer is right here in front of you. I'm standing." In fact, he says, "If you knew the gift of God." standing before you, hmm. you would not ask, you know, uh, to, for anything else. And and so, that's just a really important scripture right there that Jesus is defining what contentment is. It's in Him. Yeah, you know what's interesting about that scripture that I think I flew by so many times, and I, I believe I'm correct on this. Someone could fact check me and email us if you want. Info at springtolife.net. You know, it's cool. That scenario right there with that woman at the well, with the seven lovers caught in all this stuff, the shame, that's the very first person on earth that the um, the incarnate Jesus revealed to that he was the Messiah. That's right. Isn't that yeah. cool? Yeah. So, kind of dialing back, going back into the Old Testament, King Solomon, you know, he after he had gone through his life of exploring everything, and and here's the most powerful, the most wisest, the um, the most richest man. He he could do anything, and he did do everything. And at the end of his days, he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes right, saying, look, it's all in vain. Mm. Uh, if anybody would ever explore anything, it would be me. Vanity, vanity. I've had the means to to do whatever it is my heart desired, and he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes just like he wrote the book of Proverbs for his sons hmm. to to warn them and to teach them the ways of life and of God. And Ecclesiastes 3.11, he says that God makes everything beautiful in its own time and that he put eternity in man's heart, but that we would never know what God is up to from the beginning to the end. And I love that verse, and I remember it often because what it reminds me of is that uh, my contentment only comes from God, and that His promise is that He will make everything beautiful in its own time. And and because He's put eternity in my heart, 
that means man, all men, saved, unsaved, are always striving to find what it is that's lasting, what it is that is above anything that will satisfy us, that will make us full. And so eternity in our heart means we're going we're gonna to live forever. And we're always looking for the meaning of life, the, our purpose, our belonging, our, you know, whatever that means in terms of life itself. And, and God even says, after this life, you will still live. Uh, and there, there's two destinations, we won't go into that. But basically what that is saying, and, and that we won't know what God is up to from the beginning to the end, is that we have to put our trust in God, that we look no other place but God for our satisfaction and to fill our hearts with this longing for uh, something that's lasting, something that will satisfy. Quickly, just uh, some other verses, and then we can expound on this. Uh, and I know you've got some verses, but um, I, I love uh, you know Hebrews thirteen five, uh, where uh, the author is saying, "Make sure that your character is free from the love of money, mm. being content with what you have." For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. And so what God is promising us is that, you know, he knows how much the pull of money is on us. Um, and, um, you know, that we, the average person thinks, well, if I just had enough money, I would be satisfied. If I mean, that's the whole thing behind why people play scratch-offs and play the lottery and gamble and, you know, invest you know, their, their, all their time into their job and, and investments and, you know, whatever, stealing, thieving, rob, you know, is this quick fix, you know, like I, I can be completely satisfied if I just had enough money, you know, and, and God knows what that is and how, how much it was going to affect us. And so he makes the statement concerning money, but his promise is, I will never desert you or I will ever forsake you, meaning God is a good God. God promises us good things. He he says, I will always act on your best interest, and I know the things that you desire even before you do, and I will always satisfy you in these things if you don't seek something else and always turn to me and trust in me. I will never leave you. Mm. Uh, the last one I just want to share is um, First Timothy uh, 6. Uh, six through eight, it says, but godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering, with these we shall be content. And I just want to end with that, and you can go into some scripture yourself, but I saw this study once on the world's population, and it said that if if you don't have to, if you wake up in the morning and you don't have to worry about what you're going to eat, what shelter you're going to have, and what you're going to drink for that day, you are the 1% of this world. Mm. Now, in America, we think, well, you know, it's a lot more than 1%, but I'm talking about the population of the world. And there are many places where people are starving dying because they don't have water or yeah. shelter. And we just take those things for granted as Americans, but we are the 1% yeah. that doesn't have to worry about those things. And there are plenty of people in America. I'm not just counting the homelessness and um, the poverty in our own country, but 
we, we need to make sure that we're always having this worldview when we look at, you know, the things that we take for granted and, and we should be content in. Yeah, yeah, and and the scary part of when Jesus says it's harder for a um, camel to enter to the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter into the gates of heaven. He's not talking. I mean, we're the one percent of the world's wealth, top two, top one and a half percent of the world's wealth. If you live in America, mm. no man, I made thirty thousand dollars a year last year, or fifteen thousand dollars a year last year flipping burgers. Well, you're someone's Bill Gates, bro, in the world. We're, we don't have to worry about things that believers, our brothers and sisters in Christ do, like our next meal, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that, that's a scary thought to think, hey, what are, your, what are you being, what are you finding your security, your joy, your contentment? Mm-hmm. Man, we were at a, a thing this the Monday night. We were at a thing, uh, just, it was called a servant service, and it was talking about Old Testament. Uh, it was out of Isaiah and this king um, that was just God was blessing this king and he and everything was fruitful. They had high gates, they had towers, they had security, they had money, they had food and gardens. And all of a sudden, this king became their God. Um, in a sense, like, and these were these were Israelites, right? These were Hebrew Israelites, mm-hmm. and um, and it's just like their faith, they had all this security and all this contentment, and they lost track of who God was until the king died, right? Yeah. It was interesting. But yeah, I mean, the scripture that I'll use that I, that I kind of my go-to scripture, and you and I both talked about it before the we started recording, but one of the most, I think for Christians, maybe one of, or, you know, people that are somewhat familiar with the Bible, one of the most popular or famous verses is a lot of tattoos of, of this one. I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I think if you're if you're in this Americanized worldview, like you just mentioned, a lot of times that's like that the context of the scripture is taken in its. I can be a professional baseball player. I could go and play for the Dallas Cowboys. I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you know what? If God wants you to be a pro athlete, yeah, you will be. And you've got to work hard. He's going to put you in a place to work hard. Uh, and he's going to open doors and give you the talents and gifts. But that is not what the verse is talking about, even the context of it. Here, let's just read it. It's Philippians 4. Um and it's, we'll start with 10. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. This is Paul writing the church at Philippi while he's at prison. You have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to... How to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Here's the famous one. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The context is, is he's talking about contentment. And furthermore, inside of that, Paul is writing to this, these people in Philippi. Well, we have, and he's locked up, he's in jail in Rome at this time, but In the book of Acts, we have actual stories of Paul interacting with these people in Philippi and and who he's writing to. And so we we learned of Lydia in Acts, right? This very wealthy woman who dealt in purple and uh, she had houses in two different locations and invited Paul to come and live with her. 
Well, they were eating steak, man. They were eating high on the hog kind of so well, probably not. They were, they were, she was wealthy and he was living good while with her. This is just a short little story in Acts that we see that these people are going to understand what he means by I've been brought low and high and I'm content. So they saw him with Lydia living in prestige for however long. But they also saw him locked up in the dungeon at Philippi and at midnight singing praises with Silas. Yeah. So they saw him low and high, and he's saying, guys, it's not about where you are. It's about my contentment, my my rock in Christ. Right. <clears throat> Another passage Paul speaks of in the same vein, he, he says, look, look, I've learned the secret of life, that I, with a full stomach or with an empty stomach, I can be satisfied. Now, I don't know about you, but— and, Maybe it's just because I'm a Christian and I believe that the Bible is true in every aspect. That when I see the secret of life, my eyes open and I'm like, okay, I'm paying attention now. You got my, you got my full attention. Because I think everybody wants to know what the secret of life is, right? And what Paul's saying is that, look, in every circumstance, in every situation, it doesn't matter where we're at or what is happening. Yeah. That we inside eternally, we can be at rest. We can be at peace. We we can have joy. We even if uh, my my wife was to die, God forbid, um, and I, I say that out of mercy, you know, not right, that God. Right. Eventually, we're all going to die, right? But uh, of course, I'm going to be sad. It's not that he's he God's saying you're not going to be sad. There's not going to be things in, in life that you're you're going to feel unhappy about or upset. But he was saying is that you don't lose heart. You you keep your eye on what the big picture is, and that is that even in our greatest losses, we can still be content. We can still know that God is for us, not against us, that he has a plan, and we're, we're living out that plan, and that uh, even, even if it's something that I'm, I'm, I'm a victim of from, from this world— he says we could still be content. And man, that's that's one thing that I see with a lot of guys who come into our program. And then the biggest thing that changes for them, for those who are earnestly seeking, you know, this life of Christ and find freedom from addiction, is that they they move from this victimization yeah. role into uh, freedom. Yeah. And there's there's they stop blaming everybody and everything. And look, I'm not taking away from the fact that some people have been victimized. I mean, it wasn't their fault. That, that something happened in this world where they met a travesty, you know, they endured a a um a tragedy or or some kind of trauma, right? But God says, look, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. That means God changes us. He doesn't change the world. He changes us. And because of that, it doesn't matter what's going on or where we're at or what circumstance we're in. We can be satisfied. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think even more as you, it, the importance of understanding God's Word, and, and I'm not talking about, you don't have to go to seminary and study the Greek and Hebrew to understand God's Word. Bible says that when the Spirit's put inside of you, when you are born again, the veil's removed, you just have to be disciplined to be in it. Now, the example I gave of Acts and Philippians, 
that's not Bible scholarly. That's I read Acts, right? And I said, I saw where Paul was in Philippi. But it is important also when you understand the context, how important is that coming when you understand that Paul's writing to this this place in time, but it's also relevant for us today. And he's writing to people that actually saw him live this out, this contentment. The Lydia story and then dungeon and the dungeons not let. I mean, there's not the rules of war today when they when he was in the inner stocks or whatever. Those weren't like the English stocks that you see the hands and the head in and people throwing lettuce at them. Mm-hmm. No, they contort your body. And like it's a it's a torture form of torture. Mm-hmm. Like your arm could be bent around to your leg and chained right there. And it says that at midnight in that circumstance, him and Silas start singing praises to God. Man, I think that's incredible and a great lesson of of just knowing God's word and understanding contentment and not this false Creflo dollar or other pastors that say, come to Christ and everything's better. That is a damaging view of the church, and it creates so many fake Christians that put masks on because if you are a believer and you're hearing that I come to Jesus and everything's fine— then no one's going to ever acknowledge when things aren't fine because they're going to believe they're bad Christians or they don't know this Jesus the way that that guy over there does. He seems happy. But you know what? When you're going through things and you truly know Jesus, mm-hmm. there's no greater joy. Man. Yeah, I think the most damaging um, thing that happens in what you're saying there is these false expectations of what Christianity is, is that some people lose their faith. And I would say that those people probably never had faith to begin with. Um, because I honestly believe that you can't lose your faith if you truly have it. Well, they had faith but, in a fake Jesus. But they Jesus. blame God. A fake Jesus. They uh, blame God for their problems. And then they, they abandon their uh, beliefs in who God is. Let me say it that way, not their faith. They, they abandon their beliefs in who God is. And, I mean, we've, we've heard this all through life. And, in fact, most recently, and I say this all the time, Oprah Winfrey, you know, said— that she didn't believe in God anymore because if God was a good God, then why would all these tragedies in life happen? And, yeah. and yeah. so that type of mentality, that perspective is always going to let you down. And why I say that's so bad is because, you know, people don't blame themselves for being so bad. They, they, they end up blaming God. Yeah. And, and that God let them down when God clearly tells us, we just read his word. You know, <laughs> that's the key, Bruce, reading the word. It's clear that Oprah doesn't understand theology, basic rudimentary theology and understanding Genesis chapter three in the fall. But it's also when people lose their faith, it's like they were led to believe in a fake Jesus, man. And I'm going to give you final thoughts here in just a second, but I want to get this thought out. It's like there's a Jesus that doesn't save. And you're like, whoa, 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 Adam, hold on. Well, when I'm talking to a Mormon, and they're talking, and we're speaking the same language about Jesus, the Son of God, and died for our sins and on a cross. I'll ask them one question: Do, Is Jesus the brother of Lucifer? Yeah, your Jesus doesn't save, bro. My, the Bible says that Jesus created all things, including including Lucifer, and you're saying that it's his brother. That's not the same Jesus, and he does not have salvific power. Then salvation power. Final right. thoughts, Bruce. Yeah, well, just to comment on on that one i mean when when the in philippians when the verse says i can do all things in christ right if you don't believe in the real christ that's it then you can't do all things that's it 
And it's not about being the baseball player. It's about I could do all things as in, what's he saying? I could be in the dungeon or I could be having dinner with the prez. Mm -hmm. My hope and my faith and my contentment's in Christ in both of those situations. So what does that do? One, when you're in the dungeon, in the pit of despair, when you've lost your wife, when you've lost your job, you know that I can do this, man, because Christ is in me. His strength is in me. But it also means that when I'm having dinner with a president or a celebrity, Man, I don't get googly-eyed because they're just a man. Yeah, I don't have to sacrifice my integrity and my righteousness to say something or do something in this crowd because I could do all things through Christ. I could be in this crowd and speak the truth of the gospel. Yeah, which we're going to do another episode on absurdities. And, and <laughs> uh, I just want to say one here. When, at what point did all the, the as Americans, you know, we start looking at actors these are people who learned how to do drama yeah. and are on film that we, we somehow raised them to this height of yeah. – They of, are philosophical uh, geniuses. They're geniuses yeah. and that we should listen to everything they say. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy. All right. Anything else? Man, it's good to be back. Yeah, baby. Yeah. I am too. We took a long break. We're going to talk about some more things. Stay tuned. Life after Addiction. You better believe it. <laughs> you better believe it. Life After Addiction is a production of S2L Recovery. If you have any questions you'd like answered on the podcast, email them to info at springtolife.net. That's info at spring, the number two, life.net. And for more information on addiction recovery, visit s2lrecovery.org. Have you ever considered yourself a messenger? Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take, or art to make, or perhaps businesses to build, it's time we start testifying truth unashamedly, creatively, and in love. My name is Tamara Andress, the host of the Messenger Movement Podcast, which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. If you're ready to turn your message into a movement and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally, Search and follow the Messenger Movement podcast on your favorite podcast platform today or lifeaudio.com.